This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. The Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig is the perfect gift or addition to a small gathering. The Home Bar makes over 30 drinks from cosmopolitans to old fashions at the push of a button. Just insert the pod, press start, and enjoy. Each Drinkworks pod contains real ingredients and premium spirits. For a limited time, get $50 off the Home Bar with promo code HOLIDAY. Go to drinkworks.com to order now. Drinkworks. Press play. Keurig is a registered trademark of Keurig Green Mountain, Inc. Used under license. Please enjoy responsibly. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee. Ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. Here's the scenario. Your insurance company is denying your long-term disability claim despite the fact that you've paid premiums for years and your own doctor insists that you're not well enough to work. If this sounds familiar, call Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. You'll speak with me, Brian Goldfinger, a licensed and experienced lawyer who practices exclusively on behalf of accident victims, disability claimants, and their families. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. And welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Mel Sampson Folk, detailing for you today the Raptors' latest win in Atlanta versus the Atlanta Hawks. A game that had not that much intrigue, not that much effort from the Raptors early on. A game in which they had a severe amount of talent over the Atlanta Hawks, but a game in which they did end up winning despite the lackadaisical first half, first quarter, and a bit of sloppiness that was seen through even the third quarter. And, you know, that is a credit to this team, this Raptors team, even with so many young guys on the team. The talent disparity tonight was so evident, and there's so many good things going for the Raptors on this team that they can kind of mess around for a half of basketball against the teams that are below 500 in the league. They're not supposed to, of course. There are games where they're going to win by 36. The game where they beat the Hornets, for example, I think that was 132 to 96. Big games like that, obviously, are able to happen, and that's great. But a game like this where they chill out and they kind of mess around for a half of basketball but still pull it out, that's part and parcel of the regular season, especially for good teams. And, yeah, they uh, they pulled it out tonight. As with any game that Norm Powell plays well in, he starts well in, and he was in the starting lineup in this one, playing as a third or fourth fiddle as far as the hierarchy of shooters went on in the Raptors starting lineup, which is a good thing for him, and that started early. He got to the cup. They ran a little backdoor play for him in which Gasol lobbed him a pass, and then he laid it in. The next time down the floor, they caused a turnover from the Hawks. Siakam sprinted up the other way, gave the outlet to Norm Powell in the corner, hit a corner triple, 
and things looked like they were working well early. And that was a little jolt of offense that seemed to evaporate pretty quickly after that. And the early part of the game, while the Hawks overtook the lead, they're making some shots. Young was, of course, Trey Young, that is. Young was, of course, receiving quite a bit of attention uh, above the break. The Raptors were obviously paying a bunch of attention to him, and he was doing a good job of passing out of that attention. Some really nice lob passes to the roll man. But outside of some shots that were made on Atlanta's end, the Raptors, they weren't doing much. But the thing to pay attention to was that Marcus Hall was really, really good defensively in the first quarter. And even though he didn't have a gaudy offensive statistical night, I thought that he was really good on the offensive end as well. He's still missing shots in the paint. I don't know when that part of his game is coming back, but that's still happening. But the early part of the game, he was fantastic on the inside. He was completely walling off any attempts at the rim from the Hawks. His hands were really, really fast and sticky as far as passes that were happening in the paint. He was causing a lot of turnovers, getting the Raptors started going the other way, It was, and he was rebounding the ball and boxing out really well. So that was really cool to see. Gasol has been good defensively for a large part of the year already, but this was an extra level of sharp, and it, it honestly did start with when he iced a pick-and-roll attempt from Trey Young by offering not enough room for Trey Young to split the pick-and-roll it ended up with a turnover from Trey Young, and that was that was a cool thing to happen. That Marcus All stepping out on Trey Young, who's one of the faster guards in the league, and disrupting a pick and roll mechanic that the Hawks rely on was a really good barometer for the Raptors' defense early, but not a good barometer for the Raptors' defense overall. And you know, it was cool because while the Atlanta Hawks, their offense kept going away and getting some floaters here and there getting a layup here and there and still having Trey Young fling away from downtown. They they were plodding along, putting up their shots. They're not a bad offensive team. They're just a bad defensive team, and they played decent defense tonight. It seemed like the Raptors were having a tough time getting a read on how to beat the Hawks because they weren't very creative in getting Pascal Siakam looks. He wasn't putting any screen actions as the screener or as the ball handler, and so he was making pull-up threes. That was awesome to see. He hit two back-to-back. I think it was what took the Raptors from 12 points to 15 and 15 to 18. Really cool to see and awesome, of course, but the Raptors, when they would get side-top-side action going on the offense, swinging it around the horn, it didn't seem like they were creating shots, and when they were making good skip passes, it didn't seem like they were creating very good shots either. And the only explanation I have for that besides... On the occasion, the Hawks' rotations were pretty good, was that the Hawks weren't responding that well to the initial defensive laps, and the Raptors have been playing teams who do respond to that initial defensive lapse. So the breakdown is on the other side of the court. If you're a good team, you rotate from the backside of the defense. The Hawks didn't really do that, so by the time the Raptors swung it around the horn, they didn't really create a better shot because the Hawks' unorthodox defense wasn't rewarding typically good passing because they were happier to just give up the initial look, whereas the Raptors weren't ready to take that just yet. And so that was what happened in kind of an awkward first quarter offensively for the Raptors. Chris Boucher was a really early sub. He hit a three. He got to the rim for an and one. He looked awesome tonight. I was really happy with how he played. He did his thing. He was a factor on the boards, as he usually is, whether it's on the offensive side or the defensive side. 
He took a really nice charge as the help side defender. His length grants him a lot of flexibility as a help side defender, and I thought he had a really good stint with the Raptors between the end of the first quarter, the start of the second, and the end of the first quarter being that the Raptors were down one after a bit of uh, craziness. The second quarter had probably, it looked like the Raptors were ready to take control. They had gotten themselves back into it. They had gotten it down to two, I believe is 50 to 48, something like that. But the Hawks, they pulled away. They had some shot making. A big time Trey Young triple at the end from the logo. A step back from the logo, mind you. Not even one he walked into that he splashed in uh, Fred Van Vliet's face. And there was a Jabari Parker poster on Terrence Davis II. Poor guy got stuck under the rim helping. And the Raptors turned the ball over and then an unusual amount of times. And especially from Fred Van Vliet, who. Every once in a while, he'll turn it over or get stuffed at the rim when he's forcing things. It's not often he'll have his pocket picked or he'll lose the handle. That happened a couple times, and that was strange to see. And that that pushed the Hawks forward at the end of that quarter. And altogether, it wasn't as dominant as we've seen the Raptors be. There's been a few second quarters in the past, a little string of games where the Raptors bench unit has really come out. Punched the other bench unit in the face, created big leads. Think of the Matt Thomas game, the Terrence Davis game, the Chris Boucher game. None of them, I you know, viewed through the lens of the other team, just through Raptors fans, because we remember big performances from the bench players, and that that didn't happen in this one. Even though the Raptors, the bench players didn't play bad at all. The Hawks, they kept going. They were grinding. They were getting into the paint where the Raptors. There was a little bit of stagnation as far as getting the offense into the paint. Chris Boucher did a great job of diving to the rim. Outside of that, Marcus All obviously not bringing a ton of presence in the paint offensively. Rondé Hawes-Jefferson, his burst was later in the game. And Pascal Siakam, still without much creativity going on, was relegated to shooting jumpers in the half court or starting a post up from you know 18 feet out that's a lot of work to do as a singular person on offense and the Raptors kept asking him to do it a lot of the time he didn't end up taking the shot at the end sometimes he made them and a lot of the times he settled for jump shots but more often than more often than not he was passing out of it and I understand why because the defense was sitting on him and you can't just post up from 18 feet, four possessions back to back to back to back, and expect good things to happen. There was some stagnation in the Raptors offense, and that was how they were down nine. I think it was 59-50 at halftime, and that was largely why that happened to the Raptors. And the third quarter was, we're waiting for the Raptors to show themselves out in this game, and they've, they've been a really good third quarter team so far this year, and quite often, the best teams in the league in the NBA are usually really good third quarter teams, usually an identifier of a really good starting lineup, those types of things. The Raptors, even with Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka out, have had a good starting lineup, and it's why Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, who are both very good in this game, save for some unusual turnovers from Fred, they ended up with the best plus minus because when the team was hot, it was because of the stars on the floor, Van Vliet, Siakam leading the offense, and playing pretty good defense at different positions, of course. But the Raptors, they did turn around the offense in the third quarter. It was had a lot to do with A, Pascal Siakam's shot making, and B, Fred Van Vliet's willingness to push, even without numbers. And I know 
if you're listening and you've played point guard and had a coach tell you sometimes it's better to wait and slow down, totally. But Fred Van Vliet's nose for the rim was pretty good in this game, even though he isn't a super efficient rim finisher. He had a pretty good nose for the rim in this game, drawing a lot of defenders because the Hawks' defense was pretty, I guess the term would be, undisciplined as far as help side defense. So rather than just having one guy come from the weak side, which is usually enough to deter Fred Van Vliet, sometimes they'd have three or four guys follow him in. This made it an opportunity for the Raptors to get offensive rebounds. That's what we saw from Chris Boucher, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Things like that were happening. The Raptors were able to close in on the Hawks, make sure that the lead wasn't there to the same degree at all. They closed the lead to three by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, and that was just because the Raptors finally figured out how to abuse the Hawks on defense. Adding a little bit more motion to what Siakam was getting offensively and using him more on the sideline to abuse like a Jabari Parker instead of straight up top from above the break. And that's it's little things like that that help your star score a little bit easier. And I'm pretty sure Siakam finished with 34 points in this game. And that's that's a huge game, obviously. 34 points is really big scoring night. And it seemed really easy for him at times because he was scoring in bunches. And that was because when he was scoring, it was when he was being put in the right position, put in a real position to succeed, finding a mismatch, being able to exploit it, bring the Raptors back into this one. The start of the fourth quarter, I thought, was a really, really good stretch for the Raptors, largely because of Chris Boucher and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. It seemed like they turned the game on its head. Not only were they passing well, and by that, it's mostly Rondé Hollis-Jefferson who were, was showing off the passing chops. There was one play in, in particular where he grabbed an offensive rebound. The whole Atlanta defense had collapsed in, as they like to do, and he found Fred Van Vliet for a very deep triple, and Fred did cash it in. But Boucher and Hollis-Jefferson, their endless work ethic on the glass to keep, especially Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, to keep tapping the ball up, keeping it live, provides Chris Boucher with a lot of opportunities to get his long arms in there and be able to pluck the ball away from a DeAndre Bembry or a Jabari Parker, whoever is playing there. You know, the the Hawks aren't a massive team. Alex Len didn't spend a bunch of time on the floor in this one. So there was a lot of opportunity for Boucher to abuse them with his length. And Hollis Jefferson, when he when he kept the ball alive, it was, it was really good. And also Boucher was pretty good on the help side. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson also played defense on Trey Young for some stretches, and I thought did a commendable job as well. But the closing off of the offensive and defensive glass of the Raptors was pretty much what flipped the game on its head. It seemed like that was what the Raptors were able to do to turn the game around at the very end and to what it looked like coast to a win. It obviously didn't turn out that way, but the Raptors finally won a game where they A, grabbed more offensive rebounds, they tied as far as defensive rebounds in this one, but more rebounds overall. They had the same amount of turnovers. So the Raptors, who thrive on turnovers, were able to turn the Hawks over more often at the start of the fourth quarter to jumpstart their transition offense. They're also able to control their defensive glass and seal defensive possessions, and they're able to keep offensive possessions alive on the other side. All really good things, especially for the Raptors, who are a good three-point shooting team, and it's a big part of their offense. Offensive rebounds really bleed into good three-point shooting. It affords you a lot of great looks, 
and the Raptors really able to turn it around in that way. It it was the biggest part of the game, that stretch, and Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Chris Boucher, big shout out to them for that. I thought it was phenomenal. And the Raptors, they did, I think it was 111 to 100 at one point, and it seemed like that was with three minutes left, three minutes and maybe 35 seconds left, and it seemed like, okay, it's it's wrapped up. The game was being played like it was wrapped up because with a minute and 18 seconds left, the Raptors were playing keep-away offense. And that was just how the the Hawks were playing defense. It was a very, very long-winded attempt at getting back into the game that actually worked, and maybe fittingly so on a game where, sorry, on a night where the Bulls won a game against the Hornets after being down five with something like 12 seconds left, but two straight turnovers and two straight Zach Levine triples that that iced the game. Sorry, it wasn't two straight Zach Levine triples. Somebody else hit the triple before his game winner, I believe. Either way, maybe this was the night for it. And the Hawks, DeAndre Hunter, in specificity, he was he was the guy who kept hitting from downtown. And, uh, he, man, the Hawks showcased some really good shot making down the stretch. The Raptors hit their free throws, save for one missed free throw from Rondé Hollis Jefferson. It came down to, you know, it it's a heave for some guys. For Trey Young, it's only about five, six feet back from what he's used to pulling from. He airballed, he airballed on it, and the Raptors pulled away 119-116. It was a little bit messier than it had to be at the end. A couple turnovers from the Raptors, but nothing too crazy to worry about. It would have had to been a really, really crazy sequence of events for the Hawks to come all the way back in this one and have so many shots fall in. Of course, it does happen sometimes, so the Raptors maybe have to be a bit better at closing out, but this one seemed more or less in the bag. The Reggie Evans Award goes to Chris Boucher after this one. I thought that his length and tenacity for the, I don't even know how many games in a row he's been bringing it with regularity off the bench, but it was a game changer in this game. He was awesome tonight. I think it was 13-8. and eight. I, I'm not looking at the stats right now, but I think it was 13-8 and eight that he finished with. He is tallying up box score numbers with increasing regularity and ease. And it's not such an easy thing to do. You see so many big men who don't grab rebounds like that, who don't get after it on the offensive glass, who don't tally up blocks. And he took a charge tonight. He was really aggressive on the dive when the Raptors' offense was a little bit underwhelming. He hit a three. In a game where Pascal Siakam was awesome, there was a calmness and a level-headedness to Reggie to his play, sorry, which wasn't particularly Reggie Evans-esque. It was just Pascal Siakam being Pascal Siakam, a superstar. And so Pascal wins the Pascal Award for this team because he was the best player on the floor. But as far as the most tenacious and the guy who got after it the most, I think that's that's Chris Boucher in this one. And he keeps winning these. Ronnie Hollis-Jefferson has a couple. Pascal has a couple. Fred has a couple. It's been OG has a couple. Been a cool year so far for the Reggie Evans Award. So, yeah, goes to Chris Boucher. No Mitchell Robinson Award tonight because I didn't find anything that was particularly villainous. And we've talked before about refs and what I think about refs and what the general fandom thinks about refs, but the Raptors had, I think, 16 fouls tonight. The Hawks had 27. So if anybody was looking for the refs to be the villain again tonight that uh that wasn't the case at least because usually fans are like well call more fouls on the other team than my team so 
that happened tonight, so hopefully uh, no complaints there. The top quick reaction comment from Luro. Luro says, Samson has to pick the top voted comment for the pod. How about get a moderator or change the site name to Troll Republic? I'd like to hear him read that aloud so they can own the fact that this board is derailed by this BS for two years now. Some of us has, have been here for 10 years. Do we have to go to Reddit just to have a decent conversation? Upvote, please. For anyone concerned about the comment section, keep listening. If you're not, this is the end of the podcast, pretty much. So thank you very much for listening, and bye bye Thank you. I responded to Luro talking about um, nefarious commenters in the past, and I, I, I think Luro's great. He's always commenting on the site. But that is... One of the most interesting things about Raptors Republic as a website, I think, is that you have guys like Lewis Satzman who goes to every game and he's writing some of the biggest pieces that we have regarding the Raptors. You know, he's writing some huge pieces on the two for one on Fred Van Vliet. He goes to he goes to every home game. He goes to the practices. He's talking to a bunch of different players. He's writing fantastic stuff. And that's hosted on the site. I put all my stuff on the site, and I put my writing on the site, and I think I do a damn good job as well. And so the crux of it, right, is is Raptors Republic to be read, or is it a forum? And I know when I talked, I was alluding to commenting towards Luro the other day in response to talking about nefarious commenters, and, say, and he responded by saying, commenters are readers. And they aren't always readers, actually. The, I think that some people just go and click on articles that they see have a bunch of comments so they can read and respond and use it as a forum. And that's a thing that happens on Raptors Republic for sure. And sometimes there's really good content on Raptors Republic that is overlooked because people just want to enter into the comment section. They want to argue or validate their own opinion or they just want good conversation like Luro like a lot of people but a lot of people engage with the website as if there's no content there except for the comment section and I think that is one of the biggest missteps and as far as saying that this is now troll republic I think you have to understand for me Samson folk I'm not editor of the site I'm not anything like that I'm writing like 30 32 things a month I'm also doing a reaction pod for every game, a weekly episode, and that's on top of everything else that goes on in my life. I'm not going to be a mod for the comment sections. I spend hours and hours every day just providing content for the site. The comment section is its own thing completely, but my job as a writer and a podcaster is to provide the content on this medium. And it is, it's a tough job to moderate the comment section because, as everyone knows, while Canada doesn't have strict free speech laws, there's not an amendment for it in our Charter of Rights and Freedoms like there is in the Constitution for America, free speech is championed the same way in Canada as it is in America. And I think that that's also reflected on the comment section because I know Zarrar and Co., don't want to dissent upon anyone who writes things. And as far as trolls, honestly, the best case scenario usually is to just not respond. And I know that's tough to say and tough to hear, but when I read the comments, I see everyone always responding to the trolls, gleefully mocking them when 
they're not around. It seems to be part and parcel of the comment section, and it seems to be something that a lot of people engage with. And the comment section, by the way, unless you're counting DS doing his two cents, which I think is great, and well-meaning people looking for a conversation, which is also great, a lot of it is infighting. A lot of it is that kind of stuff. But there are 1,500-word articles sitting right above it. I also see a response that says, thanks, hopefully they listen. Blake didn't tolerate this, in my opinion. This is one of the things, right? I love Blake to death. He's helped usher me into this place. But something that needs to be understood is not only is Blake a fantastic person, but he is one of the best beat writers in the whole NBA. And Raptors Republic had him as an exclusive for far longer than they should have. He's writing for The Athletic now. He's He wrote so much stuff for Raptors Republic, and he went to games, and he's one of the most in-depth and intelligent writers in the NBA. He spent six or seven years at Raptors Republic, a huge amount of time. And to start comparing the site to when he was here to when he's gone, when the site is made up of people who... The people who provide the most amount of content for the site right now, I would say, is Lewis, myself, and Anthony Doyle. And as far as that goes, I mean, Lewis just got fully credentialed this year. He was fully credentialed through the playoffs last year. I thought his stuff was fantastic. But he hasn't been covering the Raptors for nearly as long as Blake has. It just it doesn't make sense, right? Because there's a reason that Blake is behind a paywall. There's a reason Blake moved to The Athletic, and that's not to disparage Raptors Republic. I grew up reading Raptors Republic. I think it's a fantastic website, but it's free. Everything about it is free. This podcast is free. Blake gave so much money, time, sweat equity, and was one of the best NBA beat writers before he even left Raptors Republic, and he was doing that for this site a site that was part of the ESPN True Hoop affiliate. He was on the same level as guys who write for ESPN, guys who have access journalism, those type of chops. He is a Zach Lowe-level guy. So it's it shouldn't reflect poorly on the people who are here that we're not Blake. And trust me, we're trying our best to be Blake. I, I promise you that. But Blake was at such a high level and is at such a high level that looking at this site that I think still does a ton of great content and still puts out a ton of great stuff. And not to mention William Liu also left as well, one of the biggest names in Toronto's basketball, right, as far as covering it. Raptors Republic grew two huge stars in the Raptors writer's sphere. They both moved on to two, and also Vivek Jacob for that matter, three huge names in the Raptors' blogosphere, writersphere, twittersphere, whatever. Raptors Republic was so good at harboring and incubating talent and letting it grow that they went on to do bigger things with bigger outlets. And that's not to say that Raptors Republic is lesser than. It's just saying that Vivek, William Liu, Blake Murphy are all doing fantastic work elsewhere. And they're getting paid good money to do it because the work they were doing on Raptors Republic was so damn good. And I bet you that that's going to happen with Lewis. I think and I hope that that's going to happen to me. I'm planning a move to Toronto and I'm going to break my way into the scene as well. 
Joshua Howe, now a Sportsnet, an editor for Sportsnet. Raptors Republic is growing some of the best writers out there. The Blake Murphy blogosphere or blogging tree, whatever, is a real thing. And instead of saying, ah, this isn't Blake, this isn't Blake, this isn't Blake, man, there is a ton of good writing on this site. And there's no paywall. Nothing like that. That's all it is, is just good content. There's a reason Raptors Republic is a mainstay. There's a reason why there is such a big commenter base and reader base. Because Raptors Republic has been excellent for a long time. And yes, I agree. It would be so cool if Blake took less money and decided to keep writing some of the best coverage in the NBA for Raptors Republic. That would be swell. I totally get it because the athletic, the paywall, nobody likes a paywall. But Blake is writing damn good stuff behind it. And it's no longer here at Raptors Republic. Like, I get it. But saying, ah, no one here is Blake. I got to tell you how unique Blake is in the industry because he is in the very, very top percentile. And that's, that's how I feel about that. Raptors Republic has grown some of the biggest writers around Toronto regarding basketball. And I think we'll continue to do so. So I would offer the people who are here now who are still putting out a bunch of articles, a bunch of work and all that kind of stuff, the same level of uh, growing opportunity that Blake had over his seven or eight years at Raptors Republic. Lewis has been writing for, I think, three years. I've, this is a year and a half for me. So I, that seems like a poignant thing to say. I, I'm sorry we're not Blake, man, but Blake is one of the best in the whole business of the NBA, and that's I think that needs to be made clear. As far as moderating, just to close, I, I don't have time to moderate the comment sections. I already do a ton of work for this site, and I have life outside of the site as well that I'm trying to live, and I'm certain that sentiment would be echoed by the rest of the people at Raptors Republic. And there is so much content at Raptors Republic, and I know the comment section is sacred and a good thing, and I think that not responding to the trolls will improve the situation immensely, but you might be missing the forest for the trees, because I know the comment section is something you love, but the website was made to host the content that the writers take hours curating each piece. There doesn't have to be reverence for the piece, just that that is what the site is meant to host. I, ho I hope you understand that, and that's the writers curate their thoughts over a certain amount of time, and I'm not trying to come at this holier than thou, but that is the function of the site. I think it's great that the comment section is so active. I enjoy talking to people who read the pieces and have something to say about the piece and want to ask me something about, hmm, why did you think this? I'll always respond to that. But I think you know that more often than not, comments aren't related to the piece above them. They're just people who want to talk in the comment section. That is an aspect of the site. It definitely is. I'm not saying it isn't. And the comment section is an aspect of the site that is a big part of Raptors Republic. And whether, and it's up to the... Whoever is reading or listening, how you use Raptors Republic is up to you. The site was made to
to feature content from writers and to be read and viewed by people. And it was on that site that Blake Murphy, Vivek Jacob, um, William Liu cut their teeth and became the great writers and podcasters that they are and moved on to something else where they got paid more handsomely, where they get more access to things, things like that. That's what the site is for. I understand the comment section is an awesome place to go chop it up. I totally get that. But, and this could be controversial, I view that, and of course biased because I am a writer, but I also was a commenter at one point in time. I view the comment section as a very far secondary feature compared to the content that is above it. So... That's how I feel about it. Will it be moderated? I'm not the guy who decides. I don't run the site. I don't own the site. I don't have time to moderate. I'm putting out, as most people know who listen to this podcast or read my stuff, I'm putting out a lot of stuff all the time. Is someone else going to volunteer to do it? I'm not sure. Is there going to be a paid job that's opened up to now moderate the comment section? I can't say. I don't make those decisions. I do my best to provide free, good content to the people who read Raptors Republic. That's all I do. And as far as everything else, I just hope that the content is appreciated. And I mean that. I, uh, I respond to comments that are genuine. When I write an article and I see somebody asking a question about an article or wondering, Sam, why do you think this? I know Lewis is the same way. Lewis, why do you think this? You go in and you respond, and you actually, you continue the dialogue. And I will never respond to a troll comment, because I don't think that furthers anybody's cause. So I don't, I hardly even see them. I don't look at them, to be quite honest. And yeah, I come on, when I read Lewis's piece, I don't read it or go to the comment section. I read it so I can know what Lewis Zatzman is thinking, or Anthony Doyle is thinking, or Adam McQueen is thinking, something like that. I, 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 when, before when I was just a reader, I came to Raptors Republic for the content, to read 1,000 word, 1,500 word, sometimes just 600 word pieces that the writers had written, because I was sure that they had taken hours, and I don't want to revere and worry about a troll who took six seconds to write out a mundane, innocuous comment. It does not matter. And... As far as how that will be treated going forward, I'm not super sure. I, I don't make those decisions. But I've, I've made myself clear on this. I'm sure I repeated myself many times. Luro, you know, I think you're, you read my stuff. You're always thoughtful when you respond to it. Thank you very much for that. Of course, this any type of disappointment I might e- express is obviously not directed at anybody who comments in good faith. There are trolls, and that's, that is an aspect of the internet, that the internet has not quite figured out how to chase away, and that's universal. I think that the internet is having a very difficult time universally keeping that away. As for me, I just want to keep creating good content that the people of Raptors Republic enjoy, and I want to keep getting better at my craft as a writer as a podcaster, etc. And yeah, thank you very much for listening. Have a blessed day.
and goodbye. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at myhealthpolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at myhealthpolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called myhealthpolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.